I want to share with you what has been the been shared recently. It's about the authority of the believer. All right, very very important topic. I want to read to you first of all from Genesis one. I'm going to read from verse 26. It said, "Then God said, let us make man in our image." Oh, I love that. I love that. God said, let us make man in our image. Do you know what image means? It means identical to the original. It means an exact replica. And that's how God created us, in his image rep to be a replica of himself. And it says it again, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. <clears throat> then God blessed them. Uh, Oh, I missed out of it. God said, let's make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He gave the man authority, dominion, that's authority, over absolutely everything. And he even gave us authority over all creeps. <coughs> so God, God created man in his own image. God says it again. Then again. Verse 27, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion or authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God made man to have authority over absolutely every single thing. I want to read to you from, from Psalm 8. Um, it also tells more about this. Here we are. Reading from verse 4, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? All right? In other words, Lord, you know, why are you so mindful? Why do you care so much about man? And then it says, And the, and the, um, and the son of man that you visit him. In other words, you want a special, wonderful, visiting relationship with this man. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Now the literal translation out of the original Hebrew is you've made him slightly lower than God himself. And you've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion or authority over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So you can see how God created man to have authority, to have dominion over everything in this world. There was nothing that was exempt from this authority that he gave man to have. Now we know that when man <coughs> willfully sinned, we know he lost this position. And instead of him having the authority, that authority was given to Satan. Well, man gave it to Satan. Satan disguised himself as, an, as a serpent, and he beguiled Eve. As a result of that, this authority was passed over to him. Now, we see that although this amazing authority that God gave to man was largely diminished by the work of Satan, man still had, had a lot of authority, especially at times. And we get an idea of this from Genesis 11. I want to read some verses here. It says, reading from verse 4, it says, This is the people on earth. They said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. 
But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they purpose will be withheld from them. In other words, even with this limited authority, they still had this amazing power. And God said, because of this, if they get together and work together, nothing will be withheld from them. So we see here that God gave man, and these were heathen idol worshippers, such authority he had to interrupt their plans. He had to confuse their words to stop them doing, using this authority, but of course in the right sense. But the point I want to make is, this is the authority that they still have had, even when it was considerably reduced. Now we see that God then also gave special authority to people for specific tasks in the Old Testament. For example, Moses. We read the story, and it's in Exodus how well, we know the story how God created this new race of people the Jewish people with Abraham the fourth generation they went down into Egypt where they prospered for some considerable time but then they were, they were actually held in slavery by the Egyptian masters for 400 years but God had promised them that he said that they would be held slavery but he promised them they would be brought out of the slavery so we see that he raised up a man called Moses to bring them out so you can imagine this race of people who've been held as slaves for 400 years. You can imagine their mindset at that particular stage. They wouldn't have been able to think freedom or anything of that nature. And you can imagine the job that Moses had to bring to try and get them out. We see that God gave Moses this amazing authority to perform all these incredible miracles so that the Egyptian pharaoh, the leader, would release the people. Now God said to Moses, your form of authority is going to be this rod that you hold in your hand. When you hold this rod and do certain things with it, then my power from heaven will be released. The same today as we've got the name of Jesus as our power, our authority, Moses had that rod. We see that when the Israelis were finally released from Egypt, when they came out and God directed them where to go, they went into this place where it had big mountains on each side and there was a river ahead. Now God directed them there because when the Israelis got there they realized that they were hemmed in. They saw the Egyptians following them, wanting to recapture them. So they, they, got, they panicked at that moment and thought it was all over. But we see that God told Moses to, that he had the authority to open up the Red Sea for them to go through. And in verse, it's in Exodus 4, uh, Exodus 13 rather, around, uh, um, around verse 15, God said to Moses, because Moses started to cry to God, God, are you going to open the sea? And you know what God said? Why do you cry out to me? Why don't you use the authority that I've given you? And I believe this is the heart crying God today. It's the same. He wants us to continue to use this amazing authority we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But here we see this principle, that we've got to use the authority. And so it's, then Moses stretched out his rod. As he stretched out his rod, the Red Sea was parted, and the Israelis were able to go right through it, uh, safe without getting hurt in any way at all. Now, we see then that <coughs> when they went through, the Egyptians came after them. God confused them a bit by taking all the wheels off their chariots. But then when they got in the middle of the Red Sea, God said, stretch out your rod, Moses, again. And then when you do that, 
The sea will come back and it'll drown all the Egyptians. So here, here we see this delegated authority. But unless Moses had acted, it wouldn't have happened. So we've got to act today just the same way. We see when Joshua took over from Moses and he was going to lead the Israelis into the promised land after they'd been in the, roaming around in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, they came to the River Jordan. It was the time of the barley harvest and that means that the Jordan is overflowing its banks. That means that the water was up about eight feet high. Now, you can't go through that without getting drowned because <laughs> it's above your head. So, do you know what God said to, to uh, Joshua? He said, Joshua, you're to tell the priests to put their, start walking in the water. As they do this, as they use their authority, then you'll see an amazing miracle take place. So as the priests, in obedience, walked into the water, I mean, they were going to continue walking. If, they, if God hadn't have acted, they'd have been drowned. <clears throat> do you know what happened? The water stopped at a place called Adam, which was 20 miles upstream. It stopped flowing down. And it heaped up and up and up and up. Can you imagine what that was like? And the whole land became dry, and all the Israelis went through. Once again, when they got to Jericho, God said to Joshua, Joshua, you've got to use your authority here. You've got to walk around this city for six days, and then on the seventh day, you to, to, as, as you play that trumpet, at that particular moment, I'm going to do a miracle. You see these walls fall down. But it wasn't until they used their authority. Now, that would have looked, could have looked pretty strange to people watching that, what was going on. But Joshua was prepared to believe God and use his authority. Now, <clears throat> what about the new covenant uh, today? That's the principles of authority that we see in the Old Testament. There are many more, but I'm just using those as examples. We see today that we have amazing authority. I told you originally that God, man gave the authority that God had given him. He gave that to Satan. Satan then had this authority. But we see that Jesus Christ on Calvary stripped Satan completely of all his authority. He won it back for you and I. He restored us to the exact condition the original man was meant to be in. With one exception. That's this. There's now an upper limit to the number of years we can live here on life. It's not 70, all right, okay, all right. It's 120 years. That's still pretty exciting anyway, isn't it? All right, to live 120 years, years here on earth in, in, in health and exciting, having exciting ministry the whole time. Anybody else excited about that? All right, so that's the only difference. Now, we see this authority that we've got, the, 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 it come, the authority comes from the Greek word exousia, and that's the right to exercise power. Power comes from the Greek word dunamis, the same root as the word dynamite. And that's Holy Spirit power, which we also have the authority to use. So not only have we got the power, but we've got the authority to use it. So it's no use having authority if you've got no power. So Jesus Christ has given us both today. We've got both those. That's why he said in Matthew 10, 8, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You might say, raise the dead, really? Yes. How many people have heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Right? There's at least 23 people raised from the dead in his ministry that are known. And there was no records kept at all in that time. I mean, these are the things that Jesus said the believers would do. 
In Acts 1.8, he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, the, the Bible says there, but thanks be to God who through Christ always leads us in triumph. Wow, I love that scripture. It's one of my favorite 10,000 scriptures. God only always leads us in triumph. He can't lead us any other way. It's always in triumph. And this one, I want to read to you from Romans. I can say it, but it's a bit of a mouthful, so I'll read it to you. <clears throat> Romans 5.17, it says, For if by the one man's offense death reigns through the one, as we talked about a while ago, that Adam gave his authority and then death came. It says, Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We are called to have authority. We are called to reign in all situations in life. Amen, amen, amen. See, Jesus has redeemed us. The Bible, that's what the Bible calls it, the word, redeemed. Do you know what that means? It means brought back with his blood from the power of Satan. He's paid the price for us for our total redemption in every single way. He's completely restored our authority. Now, Jesus, as well as that, is also our example. He ministered under the anointing of the, using the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've got exact, the exact same Holy Spirit today. We were singing about it all morning. We've got that Holy Spirit power, the exact same power that Jesus had, we've got here today. He's always our example. Uh, in Acts 10.38, he said, How God anointed the Lord Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and with power, and it went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, Jesus had authority because he was under authority. He had it over sin, sickness, demons, death, and nature. Now, Jesus then brings men into a correct relationship with God. That means when we accept Jesus as the Lord of our life after repenting of our sins, then at that moment we come into his kingdom, and through that action we come into a right relationship with God. Then when we, when we come into that right relationship with, then he gives us his power. That same power that he had, he gives, he gives to every single believer so we can function exactly as he did. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus said there, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, everything Jesus said was the ultimate in truth. Now, if he said all authority, he didn't mean some of it. He meant all authority under heaven and earth. Has what? He said, it's been given to me. That's to himself. He said, he, then he said, go therefore. In other words, you take this authority. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've taught, taught you, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and I am with you to the end of the age. Now, I want everybody to really get a handle on that, that when we go out in his power, he is always with us. Amen, amen, amen. I shared a bit about this yesterday, but he will always be there to back up when we're functioning under the anointing, we're in a right relationship with him. He will always be there with us to reveal that power, that the same power that he had in our lives. All right. In Luke 10, 19, he said, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall in any way hurt you. When it talks about serpents and scorpions, it's talking about the power of the enemy. 
That's why he said in Mark, Mark 16, verses 15 to 20, he said, Go to the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will speak in new tongues. They will, they will cast out demons. They will pick up serpents. Wow, I mean, that's the power of the enemy, and it will not hurt them. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. That, that doesn't mean you can go out and de deliberately drink a glass of poison. He wasn't talking about that. But this is what he was saying, that when you go out in my authority, my name, even if something of a poisonous nature was in something that you drank, it would not hurt you in any way at all. Why? Because it's amazing authority that we have. How many people have heard of a man called John G. Lake? Any heard of John G. Lake? What an awesome ministry he had. Once when he was ministering in Africa, there was that bubonic plague that came there and was killing people. They'd get it, and with about three hours, they were dead. He was ministering in that area at that particular time. Now, an English ship came in, bringing supplies and bringing medicine to try and combat this plague. And, and John Lake went down to the ship, and the captain said, why are you roaming around? Why don't you isolate yourself? Because you... you You've got no show of staying alive with this playground. Do you know what John Lake said? He said, I want you to get a lot of the, I can't remember what they call it, but get, get the, the, the germs, whatever they call it. Get it, um, you know, <laughs> virus. You get it, but get it, hold it, have it in a container, and, and so that enough of that virus would probably kill 100 people. All right? I want you to give it to me. And the, the, the medical doctor said, all right, we'll do that. Do you know what John G. Lake did? He put his hands right in it and cursed it all in the name of Jesus. Now, that should have killed him in about minutes. But do you know what happened? Every cell in that container just died like that. Why? Because he understood the power that he had. Now, he wasn't trying to be foolish. He was just showing the power that individual people do have. Now, why do we have this authority? It's to serve and glorify God. See, Jesus said in John 14, 12, 13 and 14, He said, He who believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. That is a mind-boggling statement. And we know that He meant, I, I, be, I believe primarily, that we'd be able to get people born again, which He couldn't do at that particular time. But I believe that also we would function in exactly the same authority as He. And then in the next verse, He said this. For if you ask anything in my name, I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So this authority is given to us to use so God will be glorified. Do you know he's glorified when we use his authority? Amen? Anybody know that? All right. The same as he wanted Moses to reach out that rod. Moses, why don't you do it? God's saying to us today, why don't we use this authority that he's given us? I'm not talking about being stupid. I'm talking about this authority that he has given each and every one of us. See, we are part of Christ. We are his body. He is the head of the body. That's what Colossians 1.18 says, that he's the head of the body. Now, he wants his body working in perfect harmony with the head. Isn't that right? And he's the head. And he directs us. He wants the body is what's got to do the work. The head can't do it. The head can direct, but it's the body that, that's got to do it. This is delegate authority to function through us. The head cannot function without the body. It cannot be separated. When Jesus was raised from the dead, we were also raised with him at that moment. Our position was established at that moment. That's why Paul wrote in 
Ephesians 1. What is the exceeding greatness of his power in us who believe? Oh, verse 19 of Ephesians 1. What a statement that is. The, I'll say it again. The exceeding greatness of his power in us who what? Who believe it. Do we really believe that authority that he has given us? Do we really believe that we can see the things that Jesus saw? Can we can see them ourselves? Do we really believe we can do those things that he did? Because if we don't, we won't see it happen. We've got to believe that power. And in Ephesians 2.6, it says that we are now seated with him in heavenly places. Our spiritual place at the moment, I know our bodies are here on earth, but we are spiritually seated with him in heavenly places. We've got that, that, that relationship with him, that access to him at all times. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says we are one spirit with God. 1 John 4.4, 4, greater is he that's in me in us than he that's in the world. All right. We see in 1 Peter 5.8, it says the devil is roaming around looking for someone who does not ha- understand his authority, looking for somebody he can devour. You know, he's trying to do that all the time. But if we know our authority, he cannot touch us in any way, shape, or form. Amen, amen, amen. But he's looking all the time for those people who just simply do not know their authority in the Lord. So we have the same authority that Jesus had. Luke 17, 21 says there, the kingdom of God is within you. Wow, isn't that exciting? I mean, we are walking powerhouses. Isn't that right? The kingdom of God on the inside of us. It's all we can, should be able to do to keep it contained. It's so powerful. It's so awesome. It's so wonderful. This, this authority comes out of, of course, our relationship with Jesus Christ. All right, I want to just have a look just for a minute at Ephesians 6. If you've got a Bible, uh, I want to re- read this. This gives a little bit more understanding. Um, where are we? Ephesians, Ephesians 6. <clears throat> it says, reading from verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I always, I always do a big smile when I see Paul write finally. It usually means there's two more chapters to go, but in this case, there's, <coughs> there's only about 12 verses, but there's some awesome stuff in it. All right. See, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's his commandment to us today. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Using the power of the might of God himself. Right, um, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See, the devil's only uh, form of attack against Christians is through deception. If, if we know our authority, there's no way he can do anything. But he will continually try and deceive all the time. He say, "Oh, I know you. You know, you're just you're just that weak sort of a Christian." Yeah, thank God. God's strength is revealed in my weakness. He might say, "Well, you're you're, you're you know you're just you're going to be sick for the rest of your life." No, Jesus took all my sicknesses, all my infirmities. He's going to say, "You're inadequate." Oh no, my God will supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You know, He will try and deceive us all the time. There wouldn't be a person in this room that this week hasn't had Satan try and deceive you in one area or another say something to you that's totally contrary to the word of God. But what's our answer? At all times, we come back at him with the word of God. That's how Jesus defeated him every time. We know that after, when, he, when he went out in the wilderness, the devil came to him and he said, if you're the son of God, he, try, he tried to cause doubt. 
As I said a minute ago, this is what he always tries to do. His tactics haven't changed. The only way he can fool us is by trying to cause doubt in our heart and mind. He said to Jesus, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. That's how we beat the devil every single time, by quoting Scripture back to him, by quoting the Word. So we see that his only way he can fight against us is through deception. Paul says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. All right, that's the opposition against us. But once again, we know what they are. We don't have to be frightened of them in any way whatever. Therefore, stand there for having girded your waist with truth. How do we gird our waist with truth? By be, being people of the truth. You know, as God's people, we've got to not only live the truth, we've got to speak it and act the truth all the time. That's how we have our belt on of, of truth. Then it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. How do we do that? Now, we know that Jesus Christ has made us righteous. 2, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Him who knew no sin. That's, that's uh, Jesus. God, he, that's God, made to be sin, so that in Him we would be the righteousness of God. So that wonderful moment when we accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life, we know, amongst other things, our sins are done away with. In God's eyes, we become completely righteous at that moment. Amen, amen, amen. It's complete, we are righteous. But that's got to be outworked in our life. We have got to live righteous lives. Amen, amen, amen. As we do that, as we live righteous life, then we've got the breastplate of righteousness on. And then it tells us, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's that mean? It means, first of all, we need to have this peace that Jesus Christ has given us. Do you know he's left us his peace? Speaking to our sister right down the back, he's made it possible for us to have peace in our heart and mind at all time. Oh, the, the sicknesses and illness that are caused through stress and anxiety. There's, there's millions of people suffering because they don't know God's peace. Now, God's peace, which the world cannot understand, will guard our hearts and minds at all times in Christ Jesus. So first of all, we've got to have peace. And, and then also, we've got to be prepared, if we've got these shoes on, to share the gospel at all times. And then it says, above all, above all, take up the shield of faith, which, which you have to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's when those... Those darts of Satan wants to come, you know, that he fires at us, you know, fear, anxiety, um, anger, rage, unforgiveness, all those things he wants to fire at our minds. What do we do? Once again, we just put up our shield. How do we do that? By quoting Scripture. Just the same as I said to you a few minutes ago, how Jesus quoted Scripture when the devil came at him. That's how we put up our shield of faith. And then it says, uh, and take up the helmet of salvation. Now, it doesn't explain here what the helmet of salvation is, but the Bible, how many people know the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible? All right? In 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it talks a bit, the only other place where it talks about the helmet, it talks about it as a helmet of hope. See, if we have this helmet on, it, we have it on through hope in our lives. Now, as Christians, we must have hope. Hope is a very powerful spiritual force, we know it's in the future, it's in the mind, it's with vision and that sort of thing, but we all need hope. If we've got hope, 
we have our mind guarded. Do you know that? That's the greatest way to guard our mind is through hope. You know, the two little boys, that their mother said to them, we are going, we, they lived here in Lower Hutt. She said, well, we're going through to Marston to see you, your grandmother today. She said, oh, I don't know if I've got enough petrol. Uh, I'm not sure if there's enough in the tank. So the two little boys rushed out to the car. They came running back again. The eldest one, because he was a bit older, he got back first. He said, Mum, we can't go. The tank's half, full, half empty. The, little, the younger one came back a few seconds later. He said, Mum, we can go. Get ready to go. The tank is half full. How do we see ourselves? Half empty or half full? All right. See, with hope, David said in Psalm 71, he said, I will hope continually. I will never, ever give up hope. If we hope, we've got our, our helmet on. And then it says, uh, praying, praying, then take up the sword of the Spirit, which of course is the Word of God. We use that both defensively and uh, ag aggressively and, uh, and attack. And then it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You know, that's one of the greatest things we have got to keep our, ourselves in an understanding of this authority is continuing praying in tongues at all times. Do you know the Apostle Paul said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. Paul, I mean, he was getting shipwrecked. He was getting whipped. He was building churches. He was, he was planting churches. He was going on journeys. He was so busy. He was writing epistles. But he said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. He must have been praying in tongues either inwardly or outwardly just about 24-7 doing it all the time. Why did he do that? Because he said um, that when, to, to continue praying in tongues um, at all times, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. All right. So we see that we have got this authority. We've got the, the armor of God which completes our authority in the Lord. Um, <clears throat> right. Now, Okay, we'll leave it at that. We, what, what I want to look at tonight is how we actually come into this authority. All right? It's, that'll be what we're going to talk about tonight. All right? Hallelujah. What a, what a God we serve. Amen? <coughs> All authority in heaven and earth has been given to us. I preach myself to a state of absolute ecstasy again. You know, I do it all the time. All right. <coughs> in a minute... As I said before, I'd like to pray for any need of any person if you cannot be here tonight. But before we do that, I want to give people here the opportunity to receive the greatest miracle that you can ever receive. How many people believe we have seen miracles this morning? Do you believe that? We have. They're awesome. They're wonderful. They're absolutely marvelous. I love seeing the Lord do miracles. But you know, the greatest miracle of all is that of accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life. There's nothing to compare with that. Because when we do that, we come out of the kingdom of Satan, which we're all born in, we come into God's kingdom. We come into this position that we've been talking about this morning. We have eternal life. We have this assurance that we continue to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. When we leave this world, we go to be with him in heaven through eternity. Wow, what a deal. And the Lord accepts us just as we are. Do you mean I can't earn it? No, you can't. It's a gift. And he's here by his spirit this morning to come into the heart of any person who would open the heart to him if you've never done that before. Now, are there any other ways to God? 
Many people have said to me, Western Carry, don't you know there are many ways to God? I want to tell you there's no other way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father other than through me. There's no other way. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. So, do we have to do anything to earn this? We can't. All we've got to do is repent, acknowledge we've sinned, and decide to turn away from that sin, and then simply ask him into our heart to be the Lord of our life. As I said a minute ago, this is the greatest miracle that anyone can ever receive. Now, there are going to be millions of people that are going to go to hell because they never, ever said, Lord Jesus, will you come into my heart and be my Lord? I'd like us to pray now. I'd like us to bow our heads. I'd like us to close our eyes. I'd like us just to let the Spirit of God speak to us because he's here and he's saying, yes, <clears throat> those words are true. You must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for that amazing love that you have for each and every one of us. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you because you made it all possible. You loved us so much, you left your godliness in heaven. You came to earth, you lived that sinless life. You poured out your lifeblood on that cross so that we could be saved. And we thank you that you're here by your spirit this morning to come into the heart of every person who had opened their heart to you now. So right now, while the heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, any person who's never ever made a total commitment to Jesus, or maybe you've done that but you've wandered away from God, and you know that you're not in a right relationship with him, or if you are not sure of where you are, you need to respond because we must have this assurance in our hearts that we're saved. So if you've never accepted Jesus, if you've wandered from God, or you're not sure where you are spiritually, please respond now. I'd like you to do that by simply raising your hand above your head. Just put your hand up now. Make sure I see your hand. God gave us free will. He gave us the right to choose our eternal destiny. He won't force it on anyone. We have to make this decision. Anybody here this morning know they need to respond? Please put your hand up. Don't put it off. Just give me a wave. Make, bless you over to my left. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. You may put your hand down. That's wonderful. Thank you. Anybody Bless you straight out in front of me. Thank you. I see your hand. That's wonderful. Anybody else here this morning? Just put your hand up now. Bless you. Thank you. I see another hand over to my... Bless you. Another hand. Thank you. That's wonderful. Anybody else? Bless you. Another hand down the back. Thank you. I see your hand. That's wonderful. Anybody else? See, we have to make this decision. God gave us free will. We have to make it. We can't... No one else can make it for us. But he accepts us just as we are. Anybody else here this morning? Just put your hand up now. Give me a wave. Say, yes, Weston, I'd love to know I'm saved. I'd love to know I'm going to go to heaven. I'd love to know I'm in God's kingdom. Anybody else? It's so, so important. I cannot stress the importance of making this decision. Is there anybody else here this morning that needs to respond? Don't put it off. God loves us. He loves us so much. And if you don't know him, he'll be knocking at the door of your heart now and saying, yes, I want to come in but we've got that right to accept him or not. Is there anybody else here this morning? Bless you. Another hand straight out in front of me. Thank you. That's wonderful. I see your hand as well. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? <clears throat> all right. I've seen several people raise their hands. Now, I want all those people to raise their hands. I want you to do something else now. 
I want you to come out and stand in front of me because I want to pray with you. Would you all please just come out to the front so I can pray with you? All those people, those several from over there, please come forward in the middle, down the back. Would you, would you come forward now? <clears throat> if you don't want to come up by yourself, ask your friend to come up with you. All right? Please come forward. So many people down the back there. Now there were at least four more people who raised their hands. Please, please come forward. Person from down the, in the middle there, on the right, would you come forward, please? There were other people. Don't put it off. Just, just come forward. It's going to lead you in a prayer. <coughs> okay. All right. Have you, have you ever accepted Jesus before? You want to make a recommit? You, have you ever accepted? Okay. Have you ever accepted Jesus? Yeah. Okay, you want to make a recommitment? What about you? Have you ever accepted him? Yes. And you? You have? You want recommitment? Is that right? Okay. All right. <coughs> All right. I want you people to say these words out loud after me. Because the Bible says you've got to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your lips Jesus as Lord and you'll be saved. All right? So let's, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died on that cross for my sins, for my salvation, for my eternal life, for my complete wholeness. I believe you were raised from the dead. I know that I've sinned. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I thank you because I am now forgiven. And I promise, with your help, to turn away from all deliberate sin. I now ask you to come into my heart to live with me forever. And I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I am born again. I am saved. I am a child of God. <coughs> Amen. All right. Praise God. All right. Just stay here a minute, please. Stay here. <coughs> All right. There are things you need to do, of course, as Christians. You need to read a Bible. You read a Bible now? You've got Bibles? You don't read? Okay. All right. We'll make sure you get one if you haven't got one. That's how God speaks. It's through his word. We need to read the New Testament every day, especially. All right. We need to pray. Just talk to God. You know, he's always there. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to get in a queue. You can talk to him anytime you like. He loves you. He wants fellowship with you. Thirdly, you need to be committed to a Bible-believing church. Uh, if you're not in a church now, you'd be welcome to come here. See, you might say, is it necessary? It is. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He designed the church for his believers to come together. And we cannot fulfill our God-given destiny unless we commit it to a church. So we, church is where we've supported, helped and encouraged, uh, and uh, we, we need to belong. We need to be regular committed members. You need to be water baptized, and some of you talked about that. Another good thing is to tell other people you've accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life. God's got no secret agents, all right? I want to encourage you to make the decision this morning 
to go and to be that disciple the Lord planned you to be.